well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, I need a show of hands. Is there anyone who has never seen or heard this phrase before? No. We all hear it. Problem is, we almost always hear it wrong. And I'm about to show you what I mean this morning. But you may be wondering, Dennis, I thought we were going through the book of Romans. Well, we are going through the book of Romans, but we got until he returns to to finish it. Have any of you, like me, this past week, wondered how you're going to make it next week, next month, next year, or in your retirement years? Sure. Sure. We all wonder about that. And I say to myself sometimes, Lord, I tithe every time the paycheck comes in, like clockwork. I mean, as soon as it comes in via the Internet, via um, normal, regular deposit, as soon as I see it, the first thing I do is I send off my tithe check to Son of David Congregation. And so, Lord... Why am I still so worried and unsure about my future? And I I really, this past week, as all of a sudden one of our cars died, we had to get another car. The medical bills mounted up. The credit score went down. I said, Lord, what am I doing wrong? Isn't it wonderful that someone who's 68 years old can still admit he doesn't know how to do something and asks the Lord for advice? If I can do it, you can do it. And as it would happen, early last week, I saw a message on the Internet that addressed my exact question to the Lord. Now, is that the Lord answering prayer or what? And the preacher used this verse and the section that it comes in. I believe it was an answer to prayer. I've stolen his message. I don't mind saying it. I'm going to put it in my own words with my own examples, but I believe it's a message for all of us here this morning. Because if we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, are you all sitting down firmly? Do you have your hands on your seats? Is your seatbelt fastened? It has to do with money. And I'll prove it from the scripture. Now, we've heard this phrase over and over and over again. I got a plaque on my desk at home. Well done, good and faithful servant. We want to say that when we go through the pearly gates in the sky, as if there were pearly gates in the sky, we want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we've heard preachers say, well, you'll hear that if you've lived a godly life. You'll hear that if you've been honest. You'll hear that if you haven't taken advantage of other people. The problem is, this phrase only appears once in the entire scriptures. It's in Matthew 25, verses 14 to 29. And let me read them for you this morning. Matthew 25 verses 14 to 19, not 29. That's my mistake up there. 
If you have your Bible, you can open it. If you have your phone, you can open it. Or I'll read it slowly and clearly. Just listen with your heart open. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a foreign country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. His goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, did business with them, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts, settled accounts with them. The kingdom of heaven is like. By the way, The kingdom of heaven is not described as a place. Far from it. The kingdom of heaven is defined by actions. As a matter of fact, the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like, is found 11 times in the scriptures. It's all in the book of Matthew. And this is the final time that we hear it. The kingdom of heaven is like. And in all of Matthew, in all of the various times that this phrase is found, they all have something to do with actions or kingdom life. So when we say the kingdom of heaven is life, is like, we need to know, number one, that it's not a place. Number two, that it's defined by actions. And number three, If there's a kingdom, there's a king. You can't have a kingdom without a king. How many people here rent? Do you have a landlord? You can't have a house without a lord. You can't have a kingdom without a king. And not only that, He gives, and right now he's absent. Isn't that what the parable talks about? He gave to various people, according to their ability, different amounts of talents, and then he left. Because our Lord has given us things and continues to give us things, and now he is gone. I mean, this is a very applicable parable to us today, and not just to those who were listening and reading in the time of Messiah. He gives to us now, but he's absent. But he will return to settle accounts. For those who can't see, my knees are knocking. Praise God, we have a forgiving God. But there is responsibility over what he gives us. Please remember that phrase as I go through the rest of this message. There is responsibility 
over what he gives us. It's not described as a place. It's defined by actions. The kingdom has a king who gives now but is absent, and he will return to settle accounts. Now, what's the object of direction of the scripture in this passage? It's a talent. So what's a talent? It's not your ability to sing. And I've heard this passage preached like that. It's not your ability to dance. And I've heard this passage preached like that. It's not your ability to pray. And I've heard this passage preached like that. Singing, dancing, praying, and whatever God-given ability you have is absolutely wonderful in the work of the kingdom. But a talent is about money. Plain and simple. And you'll see it real clearly as we go through this scripture. It refers to money. And it originally comes from a weight of measure. A talent is 75 pounds. Now the talents talked about here. I'm sorry. The talent is the equivalent of 6,000 denarii. Now denarii is the plural of denarius. Just like hippopotami is the plural of hippopotamus. So if you have 10, you don't say 10 hippopotamuses. You say 10 hippopotami. If you have a talent, you have 6,000 denarii and not 6,000 denariuses. Now, a denarius, remember there's 6,000 of them in a talent. A denarius equals one day's wage. One talent, then, would equal 20 years of wages. Two talents would equal, third, would equal 40 years of wages. It would equate to a lifetime of your working income. Because in historical biblical times, you started work at 20, you ended work at 50 or 60. The death rate was, the death age was much lower than it is right now. And so from the age of 20 to 50 or 60, you would have 20, uh, 40 years of wages, which would be enough to support you for the rest of your life. Dear ones, five talents would make you a multimillionaire. Do you see the scope of what's talked about here? And to one, he gave enough money to be a multimillionaire. To another, he gave enough money to support him for the rest of his working lifetime. And to another, he at least gave 20 years of wages. He gave 20 years of wages. So we have to understand a very important point right here and now. And the point is that this doesn't work real quick. Oh, come on. Here we go. Here's the point. It all belongs to God. You see, I found that the missing piece in my economic strategy was not giving and tithing. It was stewarding. Just like Messiah in us and we in him are two sides of the same coin, 
So giving of the first fruit and managing what we've been given are also two sides of the same coin. It all belongs to God. Psalm 24 and verse 1. I hope you know this by heart. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Let me repeat that for the men. My wife says us men, we we always need to hear something two times. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. And again, we read the same thing in 1 Corinthians 10, 26 and 28. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. And so we have to understand we don't own anything. We are simply stewards of what belongs to the Lord. When you give, and actually you can't give what you don't have. When you bring the first fruit, your tithe offering, into the house of the Lord, the 90% that's left over, that's still his. Sometimes we forget that. Have you ever heard someone in a pulpit say, the Lord can do more with 90% of our money than we can do with 90% of our money? That is not biblical. The Lord can do more with 90% of his money than we can do with 90% of his money. And God requires the first fruit. He requires the tithe. We all know the story of Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, verses 3 to 5. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Thank you, Dan. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but did not respect Cain and his offering. As a young believer, I couldn't understand why he would respect one and not the other. It's simple. One brought an offering. The other brought the first fruit offering. I don't want to see a show of hands. But are there, are there any of you who wait till the end of the month to see if they have enough money to bring the tithe into the storehouse? If there is someone like that, the Bible says, not me, the Bible says that you are like Cain and not like Abel. It doesn't take faith to wait to the end of the month to see if there's anything left. Faith requires a first fruit offering, counting by faith that God will take care of the rest. And oh, by the way, This understanding of the first fruit offering happened about 5,000 B.C. The Torah was given around 1,500 B.C. And so the first fruit offering was 3,500 years before the law. 
Oh, and by the way, you remember the story of Melchizedek when he accepted a tithe from Abraham. That occurred approximately 500 years before the law. You see, apparently tithing was something that was in the heart of the righteous, in the heart of the men who walked with God, before it had to be written down so that everybody could follow it. Somehow they instinctively knew, the ones who were separated unto God, that it was important to bring the first fruit into the house of the Lord. But dear ones, God also requires that we steward properly his gifts and goods that he gives us. Stewardship, I found out this past week, is the key to economic non-stress. Because you see, if it's not mine, I'm going to let him worry about it. All I have to do is steward it properly. Remember that in Genesis chapter 12, God blesses Abraham so that he can be a blessing. He blesses Abraham so that he can be a blessing. Don't you think the same holds true for us? And it's only when we steward our money properly that we can be a blessing out of what we have been blessed with, which is all God's to begin with. I think I said it a couple weeks ago. The clothes you're wearing all came from materials God put on this earth. The hunk of metal and plastic and rubber tires that you drove here in this morning all came from minerals and, and properties that the Lord put on the earth. And oh, by the way, the bills that you have in your pocket all came from God's trees. Unless you're in Europe and they came from God's polymers. God also requires that we steward properly his gifts and his goods that he gives us. And so what is stewardship? Well, stewardship is overseeing, protecting, and increasing the property of another. Isn't that what the stewards with the five talents and the two talents did? They oversee, oversaw, they protected, and they increased the property of the Lord. In other words, it's taking care of what is in your possession but is not yours. It's taking care of what is in your possession but is not, not yours. I thought of the very easiest way to give an example of this by letting you know that we have um, donors in our ministry, Tina's in my ministry. You know that we work for Chosen People Ministries. Uh, I speak about 30, 40 times around the country all year long. Uh, I minister the gospel. I take care of Chosen People Ministries in the Mid-Atlantic area. I serve on the board of directors in Israel. And I supplement the necessary funds that we need by enlisting supporters at the churches and enlisting churches who believe in what we do and give to our ministry. Well, one of these supporters four years ago just called us out, called us up and said, we love you. We love your ministry. We'd like to give you a week at our beach house in Emerald Isle, North Carolina. Is that a gift or what? So if any of you know my son, Sam, 
If he had one desire to fulfill in his entire life, it would be to live at the beach. He loves the beach. He would like his last name to be respelled C-A-R-P. Do you know, like the fish carp. He said, we're going down there. Ask her how close it is to the beach. So I called down and I said, my son wants to know how close it is to the beach. She said, out the front door. But this is the reason I tell you this story. The last 12 hours that we are at the beach house, we spend cleaning. We don't spend on the beach. We don't spend riding the last wave. We don't spend barbecuing out on the grill. We spend cleaning with the intent to make that place cleaner than when we first got there. Why? Because we are stewards of another's property. And when we did that the first year, she couldn't wait to invite us back next year. And this year we'll be going for the fifth time. Because we've taken care of another's property, and the person who comes in to rent the next day will say to themselves, wow, this place is clean beyond any place we've ever rented. And they'll want to come back and rent again. We are blessed to be a blessing. Will you please say that with me? We are blessed to be a blessing. And so there are four things that I want you to know about stewardship. Four things that you need to know in order to take care of another's business and property. One, God's gifts are meant to be taken care of. They are not to be taken for granted. Number two, God's gifts are meant to be invested The man who was given five made another five. The man who was given two made another two. The man who was given one freaked out. I hit it, Lord, because I know that you can bring up riches out of nothing. Well, think about it. And maybe you've never thought about this parable like this. If God can bring up riches out of nothing, why would he even bother to give us riches? Do you know why? He wants us, oh, oh, please listen. He wants us to participate in the blessing. He wants us to share in the joy. He wants us to share in the honor. When we take what he's given us and we properly steward it and watch over it and protect it and we bless others with it, he doesn't just say, well done, good and faithful servant. He says... Welcome to the joy of your Lord. Is there not joy in blessing somebody else? Sometimes I'll be someplace and I'll see someone and the Lord will say they need a blessing. And sometimes the blessing's monetary and sometimes it's not. I was sitting at breakfast this morning and About two tables over from me is, I guess, a single mom with this gorgeous little six- or seven-year-old girl. And she's sitting there coloring, waiting for the food. And she was doing an incredible job. And I just heard that still, small voice. Do you know what I'm talking about? Said, praise her for her artwork. And I looked and I said, you know what? You're an amazing artist. Big smile came across her face and her mom's. And her mom says, yes, I'm watching her. Her technique is amazing. 
Sometimes, and you know how it is, you walk around or you drive around the Washington, D.C. area, and it seems like there's a beggar on every corner. Some of them are professional beggars. That's their job. And the Lord has to give discernment as to whether to give or whether to not to give. But when the Lord puts on your heart to give to someone on the side of the road because you know they truly need it, when you open up your wallet, do you look at the smallest bills first or the biggest ones? Don't you think God will take care of business if you pull out a 20 instead of a 1? And even though that 1 may be helpful, don't you think that 20 is 20 times more helpful? But we have to understand that God's gifts are given to our ability to handle them. Apparently, last week and for the past lifetime, my ability wasn't great enough. In other words, I hadn't learned the art of stewardship because my gifts for God, not my blessings, my gifts, my monetary gifts from God were enough to get us by. And and it was good. I mean, we did okay with them. But I don't like the debt that we still have because of all the medical bills and the car bills. I don't like the fact that if it were possible, my retirement's not assured. And so please understand that even though God gives you gifts according to your ability, your ability can increase. I'm talking to me. Your ability can increase. You don't have to be a one-talent person your whole life. You can be a two-talent person, a three-talent person. And it all depends on how you steward God's money because accounts will be settled as to how you steward God's money. And in the scripture, uh, I want to remind you of what it says. In verse, uh, hold on a second. Here we go. Verse 18. He who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Money. And after a long time, the Lord came and settled accounts with them. And so uh, I want to close this morning by giving you the three most simple and practical guides that I can give you regarding good stewardship. Number one, spend wisely. Spend wisely. You have to understand the difference between needs and desires. Spend wisely. You have to understand that short-term expense may not equal future value. And and, and just let me give you a, a very quick example. In my family, I'm known as the guy who can find used cars that last forever. I don't look for the cheapest used car. I look for a car that has had no more than two owners. I look for a car that has a consistent service record. I look for a car that is rated highly in reliability by Motor Trend, by um, K&B, the the, um, uh, Kelly Blue Book, okay? And then I go out and I might find a car, a specific year, a specific model, that's $1,500 more than the same car or same model at another spot. But the second spot... It's the fifth owner. Maybe something was wrong that the first four didn't like it either. And there was no what's called um, Carfax record. 
You know, all it said was inspected, inspected, failed, inspected. Inspected, inspected, failed inspection. And so that $1,500 more that I spent immediately may result in $10,000 saved over the next five or 10 years. And also, spend what you have and not what you're expecting to get. Spend what you have and not what you're expecting to get. Number two, save diligently. Save diligently. If you don't have a plan, then your plan is to fail. If you don't have a plan, then your plan is to fail. Again, let me give you a personal example that I decided this week. I don't want you to think I'm up here the greatest economist. I don't want you to be up here thinking I'm the greatest giver and the greatest steward. I'm just a person like you guys. But when the Lord tells me to do something, I listen. Amen? As I travel all around the Mid-Atlantic, as I put two and 3,000 miles on my car every year, when I go to speak at churches on Sundays, or, for instance, this month, I'll be speaking on Sundays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursday nights and Friday nights because it's Passover season, it's Easter season, they like to have a Jewish believer come and speak. Each of the, ter- each of the churches provides a transportation allowance for me to come to speak. The government says, it's, I think it's right now, it's about 55 cents a mile, okay? So, for instance... Um, Thursday night, I think it was Thursday night, I was in a place called King George, Virginia. And that was, give or take, 200 miles round trip. So 200 miles at 55 cents a mile comes out to about $110. That $110 goes to Chosen People Ministries, and then they send the money to me in the form of a reimbursement. From now on... Every reimbursement that I get for mileage is going to go into a special account, and that special account will take care of the car repairs. I had never done that before. I just put it in with my regular funds, commingled it, and who knows where it went. You need to save diligently. If at all possible, everybody should have a reserve account. Not just a savings account a reserve account, an emergency account. We have one. It's only $1,000, but it's gotten us out of problems a numerous, a number of times. And then once that reserve account is met diligently, then there needs to be something in your budget. I can hear budget, budget. I don't like the word budget. To which I say, with all due respect, get over it. In your budget... There needs to be specific, diligent saving. And third and finally, give generously. Give generously. You are not blessed for your own prosperity. You are blessed to be a blessing to others. We are conduits of God's money and gift to be able to bless others. Dear ones, if he wanted to do it himself, he could. If he can make mountains and rocks praise, he could bless people on his own. 
in the scripture, it says something to the effect of God says, uh, if you think I'm hungry, you know, don't think you're going to help me. I'll just eat one of my cows. I'll just eat one of my lambs. I'll just eat some of my fruit. God doesn't need our help. God wants us to be part of his help. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed. We are. We. I think that's the highlight of the message. We are blessed to be a blessing. Spend wisely. Save diligently. Give generously. Dear ones, tithing and stewarding equals kingdom life. Just like there are two sides of the kingdom coin, we give back the first fruit, the tithe, and we properly manage the other 90% of God's money in order to be blessed, to be a blessing. To be blessed, to be a blessing. And that is what kingdom life is all about. Being blessed in order to be a blessing. It's when we hear from our Messiah, well done, good and faithful servant at his return, that we will know we have been faithful to both give and steward his riches. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Shabbat Shalom.